Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. And welcome into your Wednesday edition, the 8th of April edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Hope everybody is doing well. Thanks for listening once again. Uh, player profiles continue in this episode, and we're going to take a look at the Flyers all-star winger. Yeah, all-star winger, Travis Konechny. 24 goal seasons back-to-back and 24 uh, so far this season. 61 points in 64 games, or 66 games rather. Travis Konechny on his way to becoming one of those top flight players in the NHL. And uh, we're going to talk with Ian LaPerriere, the Flyers' assistant coach, about Travis Konechny and what he's brought to the table with that new contract six-year deal that he signed in the offseason. Talked to him early in this season uh, and at the end of training camp, and he even mentioned to me, he said, you know, the contract was weighing on him at points last season. Played well last season, got off to a great start this season, and has followed it all the way through. Had that uh, first appearance at an NHL All-Star game as well. So we'll talk to Ian LaPerriere about Travis Konechny and his All-Star season, and uh, hopefully that season will be continued. We'll also talk in this episode with Scott Lawton. We were able to catch up with Scott Lawton, and uh, we'll get uh, kind of what he's going through here during the uh, staying home and, uh, and dealing with the uh, COVID-19 and coronavirus situation how the team may come back, and also about his season. He's having a great season as well. But before we get to that, uh, Gary Bettman appeared uh, on a radio show with Mike Tirico on MSNBC. Actually, it's a TV show. I wanted to read a couple of quotes uh, from his appearance. This appearance happened on Tuesday. And what he said uh, uh, regarding uh, the NHL and the league coming back is, he goes, I think right now there's too much uncertainty to really kind of put a timeline on anything. Hopefully we'll all know more at the end of April. But he did say, from an NHL standpoint, we're viewing all of our options. We want to be ready to go as soon as we get the green light. And the green light not may be crystal clear because there still may be some places in the U.S. and Canada where we can't play and other places where you can. We're looking at all of our options. Nothing's been ruled in. Nothing's been ruled out. And it's largely going to be determined what uh, what we do by how much time we have because we have next season to focus on as well. Now, we've talked about that. Uh, A lot, and Gary Bettman's mentioned that, Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner's mentioned that they don't want anything to interrupt the full 82 next year. He also went on to say that our clubs, if nothing, are extraordinarily competitive, and whatever we do, it has to be fair, which is why there's been some public speculation in the media about a neutral site game or neutral site games in remote parts of the country. He also said that uh, that's just part of considering all the uh, potential options, and depending on how we find the circumstances, we, but we went, when we talk about fairness, we also have issues if we get to play the playoffs, who gets in, who gets out. Uh, we have several teams, seven teams, he said, as a matter of fact, on the bubble, and they think that they should have had a chance to get into the playoffs, and we have to deal with the lottery and the draft order as well. And he says the best thing, though, and the easiest thing would be at some point we would complete the regular season and then go into the playoffs as we normally do. We understand that may not be possible, and that's why we're considering every conceivable alternative to deal with whatever the eventuality is. Again, it doesn't even pay to speculate because nobody in any sport knows enough now to make those profound decisions. So uh, we'll see. You know What that tells me is, yeah, they would love to finish the regular season. He also mentioned that there's a good chance that they won't be able to finish the regular season. But this is all going to depend on the timeline as well. If, if somehow they can get on the ice in June, I think they scrap the regular season, but they do the 24-team playoff field after a 10-day to 12-day training camp period, and they have the play-in games with those bottom seeds. Uh, so that would be basically the top four seeds in each conference would automatically be into the playoffs, and then those bottom four would play their way 
to a, to a field of 16. Um, that would probably be the, the mixture of how they would do it, and those series would be best of three for those teams in the battle-in round or uh, those round-robin rounds to get into the field of 16 and the real playoff field. And then it just uh, time will determine whether rounds one and round two would be a best of five or best of seven. Uh, but I imagine for Gary Bettman, for his top choice, he wants that at least conference final and the Stanley Cup final to be a best of seven. We'll see where that leaves them and how much offseason that would leave them with. They'll have to restructure elements of the CBA because of free agency and contracts and league year ends on June 30th. They'll figure all that out. Um, one thing I'm hoping that does come out of this is a new CBA or the structure of a new CBA for this league to move forward in labor harmony for many, many years to come. you got a new team coming in in Seattle, and there's news that we may finally get the name of the Seattle team here any day now as well. Uh, take your time, and they certainly have. Uh, and then also a new TV contract that's coming up as well uh, after next season. So big things to consider, and a work stoppage would not be good for either of those and everybody likes labor and peace and harmony uh, for between the players and the union. And certainly it seems like the union uh, headed up by Don Fear and the league with Gary Bettman and Bill Daly are in a much better place than they've ever been uh, heading into the end of a collective bargaining agreement or towards the end of a collective bargaining agreement. But let's get into uh, the Flyers Daily episode with uh, the player profile of Travis Connecting. I thought a great idea to bring in a guy who played in the NHL for over a thousand games, uh, played for the Philadelphia Flyers, has been coaching for the Flyers uh, pretty much the entire time that Travis Konechny has been a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. So right now, here's my conversation with Ian LaPerriere and the player profile of Travis Konechny. And we're proud to welcome in right now his first appearance on Flyers Daily as player profiles continue, a player profile of Travis Konechny. We're joined by Flyers assistant coach Ian LaPerriere. Lappy, how you doing, man? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's been a crazy time for everybody, but we're trying to do our part to uh, stop the, this madness. Yeah, it's it's something that we've never seen in our lifetime before. Hopefully we never do again or our kids ever do. Um, how have you kind of decompressed from, you know, you're going 100 miles an hour when the season's going on, and then all of a sudden guys take you guys take your skates off, and all of a sudden you're in a pause. You can't get on the ice to even work out, and you're kind of self-isolating. How have you handled that situation and kind of tried to clear your head during this period of time? Well, we just, uh, you know, we're staying home and that, you know, we have equipment to work out at home and I go for runs and to clear my mind. And, you know, usually you, you go 100 miles an hour for 82 games and hopefully playoffs. And uh, this was kind of stuff really quick, quickly for everybody. It was, you know, I was, nobody was expecting to, uh, you know, to step at game uh, 60. And um, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's it's disappointing, obviously. You know we're playing well, but we're still hoping that the re- kind of regular life is going to come back and we'll be able to go back to work. You know, but you know what, Jay? I just want to take this time, you know, to have today to, you know, have a bunch of friends, nurses, and doctors, and uh, you know they're in the front line right now. You know, I, I listen to the news, but I don't see it firsthand because I, I'm not around hospitals. But thank God I'm not around hospitals. But I just want to thank them, but from the bottom of my heart to you know, for what they do for uh, for sick people out there. And uh, I'm talking about I get chills again. It's, it's just, uh, it's not fair to those people, but um, for these people to be in the front line like that, but that's what they sign up for. And uh, they're doing a hell of a job. And uh, I really do feel for them. And my heart goes out to them. And I'm thinking of them every day. 
Yeah, it's, that's so well said, Lappy, because the personal sacrifice and danger that they're, they're putting themselves and their families into every day is something to be commended for sure. And, you know, when something like this happens, when, you know, tragedy happens or a pandemic in this case, you see people, the best of people. And we just, you know, it's great sometimes too to, to just gain a little perspective that, you know, what you guys do is a game. It is a business and it's, and it's very important. But people use it to escape from the everyday, and people don't even have the game right now to, to be able to do that in any sports, for that matter, let alone hockey. And it, it, it is sad right now, but we're hoping to get everybody back on the ice soon enough. Um, Lappy, some of the scenarios that we've heard about from uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly or even uh, Gary Bettman and some reporting from whether it's Elliot Friedman or, or Bob McKenzie that, you know, the NHL wants to get that cup handed out this year. Now, you played a long time in this league. You played over 1,000 NHL games. To just have a season not come to fruition after you've played about 85% of the schedule, that leaves a, a big feeling of unfinished, unfinished business, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe. But again, you just said it. Like People are looking something to be distracted from the bad news that we hear every day. You turn on the TV now and it's only bad news. And it doesn't matter if you go from Fox to CNN to CNN to MNSBC or whatever channel you want to watch it. Uh, it's it's uh, it's bad news. People are looking, so to, you know, they're, they're hoping to have something to look forward to, to disconnect. And uh, uh, I'm a big UFC fight. Uh, yeah, I love UFC MMA. I'm a big fan of uh, mixed martial arts, and I'm looking forward to April 18 because <laughs> there'll be a big fight. Uh, Ferguson is fighting on the 18th, and I'll be. I'm looking forward to watch that. But my point is, like, I'm still hoping that even if it's not a full season that the league is going to figure out something to not for us, you know, for, yes, for us, we want to go back to work, but more for the people out there to, um, to look forward to look, you know, to look at something different than the bad news that we hear every day. Yeah. Take their mind away from it a bit. And um, you, you, I mentioned you did play over a thousand games in this league. You were a warrior. I could see you getting in that UFC ring. You ever have any fancies <laughs> uh, getting in there doing no. some mixed martial arts? You're still in shape. no, yeah, I'm in shape, but my head's not in shape. You know, my head's got <laughs> too many beatings in the past, but not a chance. Even when I was healthy, 100, I, I just don't. I don't. I for me, like I love it. I respect them. They're warriors. They go. They go to war. But you know, having my share of concussions in the past, it, it doesn't make any sense for me for those guys to go out there and do it and wake up the next morning and they say they're fine. For me, I, I call BS on that. I'm sure they're not fine, but. I do have a lot of respect for those guys. You know, they come from different backgrounds that they do, and they go in there, and that's their livelihood, and they, they give their all, and uh, I respect that big time. Before we get to Travis connecting the player profile, I just got to bring this up. First of all, you were traded for Stefan Matteau, um, yeah. who, who was a legend in New York for the goal that he scored against the Devils. But you were also mm -hmm. part of a deal. When you look back on your career, you go, well, I was part of a deal in, in a trade with Ray Ferraro, uh, sent from Los Angeles, uh, or the Rangers, to Los Angeles for Marty McSorley, Yari Curry, and Shane Churla. You're in trade for Curry and McSorley. That's going to feel pretty good, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were at the end of their career, but it felt, felt pretty good. If it, what felt good about that trade is uh, I was playing for the Rangers. I was there for two and a half months. That You know, they, they, they had an older team that, that the winning, you know, they won the cup a couple of years back, and they had big veterans there. And they weren't really big on playing young guys, and at the time I was 20. 22 years old, I was trying to, I still, was still trying to establish myself in the NHL. And that move to LA was the best move for my career. I was there for eight plus years. And it was just, uh, that's where I could really establish myself as an NHL player. And that's why I was excited about that trade. 
Yeah, you, you spent nine years, essentially, 595 mm-hmm. games with the Kings. Um, you only spent one year in Philadelphia. You spent all those years in Los Angeles on the West Coast and that great weather. You played one year in Philadelphia, yet you decided to put roots down here. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? At the end, what my, my career kind of ended up, uh, you know, it ended, like, uh, pretty quickly. You know, I didn't expect to retire. Not that I was 36 years old at the time. I knew my career was pretty much over at one point. But um, we moved a lot, and uh, just that year that we spent in Philly, it was something that me and my wife talked about. We love the people here. We love the city. We love everything about Philly. It's a great school. So we're in, we're in South Jersey. It's a great school system for our kids. Our kids. Uh, and at the end of the day, my decision was like, I moved not that much in my career, but we moved in uh, the age where my kids were at the time. It was the right place and the right time to establish ourselves in, in South Jersey. And you know what? I really don't. And that was before the Flyers decided to keep me on board. Like, that uh, was way before, uh, no, way before. It was before Omer offered me a job to uh, be director of player development. But um, our mind was set in Philly. And um, I don't regret that move at all. It's, it's just a great place to live, great people. It's a great community where we're at. And uh, uh, we, we love it. Kids, wife, everybody loved it. Yeah, and the community's better for having you here, too. Uh, I, I remember the game where you, you got hit, and I saw it the other night because they were playing it on NHL Network as we're watching old games through the NHL pause. Um, but the thing that sticks out to me, Lappy, was that uh, sometime the next season, I remember they brought you down to the Zamboni Tunnel. And they, you know, they taught. That, sw- was, that was the same. That was that, that was same series, that right? Same, uh, like, yeah, same series. I, I played a jersey, took the fuck in the face, missed the Boston series because of my concussion syndromes and, well, the the bleeding in my head. Came back against Montreal again. I wasn't 100%, but it's during that Boston series that uh, uh, they, they, they did the innovation. I was um, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, it's still to today. It's my, my, my best moment as a player, you know, just to be recognized like that. And again, you said you just said I only played a year in Philly, and they they recognized me on the jumbotron. Like that, it's something I'll never forget. Yeah, I, re- I remember it vividly, and and how emotional you were. And I have to think that that maybe went into your decision to wanting to stay here as well. These people get you. For sure, you get these people. No doubt about it. There's a shared trait there in the way that you played the game. Well, let's get let's get into the player profile of uh, Travis Konechny. And I, I wanted to talk to you in regards to Travis, because you having played so many games in this league as a forward. Um, and in your career, you did all the little things right. Maybe that's something that Travis mm-hmm. needed to clean up to really bring his game to the next level. He's a gifted skater and a, and a gifted offensive player, but needed to be better in all zones. And he certainly has done that. What have you seen over the last, say, three seasons in his development that, that has turned him into, frankly, an all-star? He made the all-star team this year. Yeah, you're right on, though. Like, it's the detail of his game that it's normal for a young guy. He came in, he played at 19 years old, and those kids have uh, – they all do. They have bad habits from junior. And even, like, it was a long time ago, but I did, too. Like, you do stuff in junior that you just can't try in the NHL or it's going to cost you a goal against. And uh, TK came came on board. And uh, I just want to start by saying that I love that kid. He's just uh, – he's a good human being. He's a good kid. He's they All his teammates love him. Coaching staff, uh, staff love him. He's just just one of those kids that uh, you want him to do good, and you'll work with him every day, all day. And um, he's he's just a likable guy, personality wise. But it's, he's just, mom and dad did an unbelievable job. About that, we'll start with that. Yeah. And and when he came on board, he did those little junior habits that we still see. We saw that from you know Nolan Patrick and all those young guys that come and play with us. 
um, they, they have to, you have to work with them. And, and, uh, but at the end of the day, TK is a hockey player. And what I mean by that is he, he, he wants to be the best player when he's out there. He wants to play hockey. He doesn't want to be a robot, but he'll do everything to help the team win. And when you have a kid like that, that's got that mindset, it's easy to work with. I'm not saying it was easy in the first year. You know, we were still doing the same mistakes. We had to sit with him, show him video about, you know, coming back to where in the zone instead of turning away and stuff like that. Again, that we deal with with every young guy is coming up, and especially as forwards. And um, he, obviously, like you said, he's an all-star. He did an unbelievable job this year, and hopefully he'll be able to uh, to show what he can do in the playoffs uh, this year. Uh, Lappy, he seems like a guy to me, I don't know if I've seen him a lot, but and in practice and stuff that just loves to play because what I notice mm-hmm. in practice too is him and Travis Sandheim are always the last two out there just shooting pucks. They just want like guys that just want to mess around with pucks when, when even it's not the, the practice portion when it's over just to get a little extra work in. And, that, and to me, I think when you enjoy the game at that level, you work just, you know, it's fun to you. So it's not really like work. So it's even more enjoyable. Do you get that sense from him and his personality? Well, well, that's what I mean when I say he's a hockey player. He yeah. wants to play hockey. Like, you know, it's not like he, like he's not, you know, sometimes you wonder some guys, I, fortunately we don't have any on our team. I feel like everybody wants, you know, they want to be out there. And when you're winning and you're playing well, it's easier to do that. But those guys you you mentioned, uh, Sandy, he's the same way. Travis St. is the same way. And those two, that's why they're on the ice. They're always together. On the road, they're together. On the bus, they're together. They're always, <laughs> I think they're roommates too. And, and um, they're out there trying to get better. And they know the only way you can get better is to go out there and do the work. And both of them are doing that every day. And that's why both of them are like, they're passionate about the sport. They're, they're, they're committed to the sports and, uh, and we're lucky to have them. Obviously, one of the parts of uh, Travis Konechny's game is, is uh, flapping his gums. He's a guy that likes to talk when he's out there. <laughs> Um, you got to admit, he's good at it, too. Um, sometimes when guys Very talk, good. it takes them off their own game. For, but seemingly for him, it's, you know, when he's kind of going, that means he's dialed in even more. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he talks quite a bit. He's, uh, he's funny. He cracks me up just the way, he, you know, just last year in the Winter Classic there, whatever you want to call it, stadium series that we had here when oh. he was giving it to Johnson, when the Patty hit him behind the net. It's just things that he's engaged he's in the game he wants to have fun but he's very like I said he's engaged and uh, he cracks me up like he, you know it's just like sometimes you know when I'm on the bench and he says something I just I'm shaking my head and I start laughing but he's um, let's put it this way he's playing in the right era because if he would have played in the 90s oh, he would have probably you know a couple guys would have uh, cross-checked him or fight him or jumped him but uh, he's uh, you know it's the new generation of players but he's He's funny. He's a lot of fun to, to coach, and, uh, and he's, 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 he's fun. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, he keeps it light and keeps it uh, intense moments. He can really loosen a bench up that way. And, and you just mentioned it, Lappy. You know, he's a guy, like, in this era. To me, he's kind of the, the poster child for the NHL in 2020, where you don't have to mm-hmm. be a, a big guy. I mean, you see guys like Marner and some smaller guys that, that are putting up huge numbers. And he's a guy with all that skating skill and speed and, and hands that is built for today's game perfectly. Some guys are born in the wrong era. He was born in the right era, wasn't he? 
For sure, for sure. He's a lot like that little Gallagher that they have in Montreal there. Like, you know, they're, they're yeah. the smaller bodies with the character and they go to the net and they can talk, they can hit without expecting a retaliation from the other team because the game is changing and I'm all about it. That's the new generation. I'm fine with that. But you said it right. He was born in the right era. If he would have been born in, in the 80s, he probably would never get drafted. And But yeah. because, you know, the, the game was different. They were looking for different players. But now he's just uh, he's, he's perfect for the new NHL, and that's why he was a first-round pick. Was, was there some uh, over the years, because you were an assistant with uh, when Dave Haxtell was here as well, and now with Elaine Vigneault, mm-hmm. there was some tough love in there too, wasn't there? How did he respond to that? Well, he responded well, obviously. Like, you know, he had a pretty good season. He, he, you know, 24 goals, 24 goals, 24 goals this year. And last three years, he scored 24 goals. I mean, it's, tough love's part of it. Like, you know, it's, and, and what they call tough love today. It's, it's not nothing. tough love from your day. Like, it's, no, it's not. I had Mike Keenan as a first pro coach. I had a first NHL coach. Oh. Trust me, I will have stories about tough, tough love. But again, it's a new generation. They were brought up different than we were, and I get that. But um, he responded well. Like he's, uh, you know, like every kid when they come up, they feel like they, they get picked on. Maybe they did a little bit. So is, uh, so is Sandy, so is Proby, so is all those young guys coming up. And it's just part of uh, uh, the process of being uh, becoming an NHL player and be, becoming like, um, you know, it's, it's more like coaches want you to do the little thing right to make sure they trust you at the end of the game to put you out there and um, that's why like at one point his first year tk was doing mistakes that coaches didn't like and and uh, he had to learn from it he learned from his mistake his mistake and he learned from tough love like you said and i, I really believe that's why he became the player he is right now and he's he's showing improvement this year and he's going to show more improvement every day because every year because he wants to be the best player he can be yeah, and you see that when coaches in usage, when coaches use you in certain situations late in games, that they not only trust you offensively, but they trust you defensively. Um, and, and talking to him, uh, I guess it was during training camp or the preseason or maybe even early in the season, I had a conversation with him, and, and he told me that the contract did weigh on him a bit. You know, he got the deal done. He was an RFA. He's got the security of a six-year contract now, $33 million. Mm-hmm. Um to have that alleviated off his shoulders is a big thing for Travis. So he can just go out and worry about hockey. How can that affect the player kind of leading into it? Well, it does affect everybody. I mean, like, you know, he's human set nature. for life. Unless, yeah. yeah, it is human, human nature. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say, well, you got to play. Blah. Yeah, yeah, okay, I get that. But when uh, you know that if you do have a good season and, you, you know, you'll get that money, you'll be set for up and just keep playing – it's different. It's a mental, like you don't want to get injured. You, do, you want to produce. You know, it, it, it weighs on guys. And uh, it weighed on guys when I played, but it wasn't that kind of money. It was still, uh, you know, personally, I was exactly like TK. It weighed on me if, when I was at the end of my contract. I really wanted an extension because I wanted to play the way I play. For me, it was a different way, obviously. Like I was more a physical player, but it's the same worry, though. Like you worry about, well, if I do get hurt, I won't have that. And, and it's it's not right to think like that. And because for me, my dad used to tell me, if you think about getting hurt, you will get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy to say. But when you're in those, those skates and you know your future is in front of you and you need to have a good season, well, it's tough. But when a team come up and they, they, you know, they sign you to a six-year deal, there's a lot of worry that just get up off your shoulders. And, I re- and again, it's not right 
to think like that, but it is human nature. Uh, last thing for you regarding Travis. Um, th- this year, 66 games, 24 goals, 37 to 6, 61 points. He's mm-hmm. scoring in 94% of his games, uh, coming away with a point this season. Um, and in the summer when the Flyers hired Elaine Vigneault to be the head coach, he was one of the guys I pointed to and said, this is a guy that could go to the next level in this system. Why is this system that you guys are running now with Elaine Vigneault perfect for Travis connecting? Well, that's, that cracks me up, Jason, because the system that we're running now is the same system that we were running with AC. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's more like um, the approach of, of AV. You know, AV came in with a clean slate, like, you know, and he, um, he does have a different approach. He's got that swagger. He's got that confidence. And he does have that pedigree that other coaches didn't have. But to go back to the system, like, you know, we play the same forechecking system that we did uh, before uh, well, uh, Gordon was here. And same neutral zone for, uh, for check that uh, before Gordon was here. And same D-zone. But D-zone might change a little bit. We're a little bit more aggressive. But overall, it's pretty much the same way. It's more like uh, it's more like the way AV approaches players that's different. And at the end of the day, for me personally, I think that's the key system. And you, got, you can throw – there's not 100 systems out there. There's a couple uh, variants of your system. It's more how uh, you talk to your players. And now how you work with them, how you help them develop, and you you know you help them be confident in what you're teaching them. And I think that's the biggest difference. I really don't think the system changed at all. It's the same thing, like you know, like PK, same system that we tried last year. It's more like you know the message and the personal that you get you have out there. That's what the that's what's the big difference. Yeah, and, and AV made it pretty clear early on that it was his way or the highway. But it, it's a really interesting di- – he's an interesting dichotomy as a head coach, Lappy, because to me he's uh, is kind of two coaches. He can be the guy that uh, needs to get on guys and, and accountability, and we've seen that mm-hmm. a lot through the early – especially the early mm-hmm. part of this season. But he also seems like a guy that's a player's coach, and he knows when to go to the whip and when to go to the hug. You know what I mean? And, and if you if you have both of those tools, I, I know exactly player, what you mean. Yeah. I but and but he coached like a guy who's ninth in all all time winning coaches in the NHL, and he is. You know, it's yep. it's hard to ask. I know you mentioned Ack, and I'm a I'm a big fan of Dave Axel. He's a friend of mine. You know, I got a lot of respect for him. He's a smart hockey guy. But you can't ask Dave Axel to coach like Elaine Vigneault. They don't have the same background. But yep. to go back to AV's coaching style. Right from the get-go, he told everybody, if you don't play my way, you're not playing, and he did it. And that's, that's it's, it's, as a player, and I, like you said, I played for a long time, I really had respect for coaches that really said, did what they say. You know, if, yeah. if you go out there and say, listen, if you don't play my way, you're not playing. Well, and if coaches go out there and, geez, making a mistake, the mistake he was talking about, and he goes out there again, well, you know what? It's uh, those guys have longer reach. I get it, but at the end of the day, if you like, they did that to Jake Voracek this year, and G, and Coots. Like, you know, if they yeah. don't do what we're telling you to do, well, we're gonna cut your ice time. And he did that. And again, I go back to co- the comp- because Ack was the last coach, the full coach we had here. To have, you know, it's 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 uh, it's not fair to ask Ack to coach the way Av coached. And uh, for me, that's that's the biggest difference. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, when, you know, you're sitting down an eight and a half million dollar player playing less minutes or moving them down in the lineup, everybody takes notice. There's no doubt. It's just, there's oh, no two sure. ways about it. Yeah, no, it, everybody takes notice. 
Uh, Lappy, uh, let me just get your gut feeling on this last question. Uh, does the Stanley Cup get awarded this year? I'm putting you on the spot. I know you're not an epidemiologist. I know you are. I know. I'm, um, I'm, I'm an optimist, but at the end of the day, like, you know, like, I love, I love my sport. I love hockey. I love sport, period. But I, I just want life to get back to a little bit of normalcy, like to be a little bit normal. I know I, I really believe it'll never be the same that it was before that virus. We'll have to address our way of living. But I really hope so. Just for those people that I talked about at the beginning, there, the, the doctors, the nurses, the family yeah. that are going through that, you know, at the hospital, the people that are suffering right now. I just want everybody to get together, both sides of the aisle there. I hate when I hear politics right now at this time. It's got nothing to do with politics. We need to get together and take care. And worldwide, not only in the States, Canada, China, everywhere, because if, it, if we fix it here and we don't fix it in Canada, we don't fix it in China, it's going to come back here stronger. And to answer it, I know I'm deviated from your question here. I, I really hope so. And I know the NHL is going to do everything they can for a simple reason. It's a business, yes, but I think they really want to entertain people out there and they want to put some some kind of Seneca final, some kind of playoffs out there without fans. I'm sure if we play, it's going to be without fans. Who cares? We just want to entertain people to for, for our for our fans or people out there to just disconnect for two hours from the reality we live in right now. That's great. Well said. And we'll end on that note. Lappy, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, Travis Connecting, the player profile is complete. We appreciate you joining us. And, uh, man, I hope to see you at the rink soon. And uh, hopefully things get back in the run. I want you and your family to stay healthy, all right? All right. Stay healthy, my man. Can't wait to see you. All right. Special thanks to Ian LaPerriere for joining us here on Flyers Daily. Great breakdown of Travis Connecting, a guy who's seen him every year and elevate his game every year. And one thing that I found really interesting, when you're talking about those, those the little things, and when Travis first came into the league, he wasn't doing those little things, and there had to be some tough love there. He got put in the press box at one point. Uh, but he was a guy that they had to stay on as a coaching staff and teach him those little things that you can get away with in junior and at lesser levels, but you can't get away with at the NHL level. You make those kind of mistakes, being on the wrong side of the puck in the D zone, being too high as a winger as you're trying to exit as a five-man unit. Those things will cost you at the NHL level. He's cleaned up all of those elements, and now he's an all-star and expecting to be a really good player for many, many years to come. Travis Connecting got that new contract, the six-year deal, tremendous value for the Flyers now, and going to be tremendous value and every year going forward for uh, that contract as well. Also had a chance to catch up with Scott Lawton. We did his player profile last week. As a matter of fact, he was the first player profile that we did. He had an availability today, so I jumped on it, and here's my conversation with Scott Lawton and how he's handling the whole situation with the coronavirus pandemic and the NHL pause. And happy to welcome to Flyers Daily right now. We did his player profile last week, but we talked to him today. It's Scott Lawton. Scott, are you going crazy? Have you painted the inside of the house? What are you watching, uh, binge-watching? Yeah, uh, I've been cleaning a little bit. I actually cleaned this morning, so I uh, cleaned the floors, everything like that, and um, just trying to stay busy and um, keep active, um, especially with the limited equipment around. And, and uh, so just trying to stay active and, and do some body weight stuff, get a good sweat on in the morning, and then um, kind of start my day from there. I've been actually reading a little bit, so I've gone into reading and um watched uh, a couple good shows on netflix but other than that just trying to stay busy and, and cook some dinners and um try and stay as, as healthy as possible 
Yeah. You see, like I, I never, you, the one thing you'd never hear me say is the book is better than the movie. Cause I just lose yeah, yeah. focus when it comes to reading. So are you able to like escape into a book? Yeah, I used to, I used to be a big reader when I was a kid. So I probably haven't read a book since maybe before a junior. And um, I actually read the the book Shoe Dog with uh, Phil Knight, the, the Nike founder. And I, I thought that was pretty interesting. I'm on Tiger's book right now. And um, just working my way through and, and uh, catch up on, on some reading that I've missed the past 10 years. But uh, no, I've, I've gotten into a little bit of Xbox and um, definitely watch uh, some shows at night and some movies. All right. So the big question is, and I asked JVR about this, I asked Kevin Hayes about it. Did you watch Tiger King? Yes, I watched. I might have watched it in one sitting, maybe. I, right? I, I couldn't wow. turn off the. T- <laughs> no, maybe two. I would say two, but I, I couldn't turn off the TV. I thought it was amazing, and um, my girlfriend wasn't the biggest fan of it. I, I guess at the start, but once uh, we got in the thick of things, uh, we couldn't turn it off. And um, I was a huge fan of the show. So hopefully, they. I, I saw something. They're coming out with a movie, maybe or something like that. So hopefully, yeah. they. They uh, keep this thing rolling to keep us entertained. How about the the fact that one of his employees got her arm bitten off and he ran to the office to grab an EMS jacket first? <laughs> Joe Exotic did. He ran over with like, yeah, like, like he, he's, got the, yeah. he's got an EMS jacket with a badge on it. I'm like, dude, go get her arm. <laughs> absolute beauty he is yeah he's all for the uh all for the tv and shows it's uh oh it was fun to watch and um there's a couple other other uh shows that i I binge watched a little bit at the start and um then i had to to get away from the tv for a little bit so started reading a little bit are you able to because a lot of people are saying and, and we hear the reports out there from whether it's the deputy commissioner bill daly or gary bettman or some uh, pretty trusted reporting coming out of from Sportsnet and, and Fridge or or Bob McKenzie, but that you guys could this could push and you guys play July and August or even August and September. So are you treating this like your off season? And is that possible kind of to treat this like an off season to decompress away from hockey and kind of turn it all off, let, you know, recharge mentally, physically and emotionally from from a season when it's just cut the way it was? Yeah, I think that's uh, a really good question. And uh, I think a lot of guys are kind of dealing with that right now, um, kind of in between and, and you're in limbo with, with everything. And um, I guess when you're when you're done, if you get beat out of the playoffs or you don't make the playoffs, you have a set date of when you're coming back and you kind of have everything organized where um, you plan out your training, your skating and all your off ice. So I think this is a little bit of a different situation with, with no gyms open and, and uh, not being able to go in. And um, I think you just try and stay as as active as possible, get a good sweat in, in the morning and um, do your workouts and then um, go from there. But yeah, it, it's a little bit of a, a different situation for sure. One, one we haven't seen. So uh, I think some, most of the guys are probably dealing with it and um, it, it's just tough because usually you're, you're taking this time off, but uh, you kind of never know what's going to happen and, and uh, what's happening in, in a month or two. And, and uh, so you just want to stay as active as possible. And then um, obviously if we get a date, then, then you start to ramp it up, but um, just trying to stay as, as uh, fit and, uh, and moving around and, and getting a good sweat in every morning. When, are you a guy like in the off season, when, when would you get back on the ice and start your on ice training? 
if, if you ended in mid-April, would you get back on the ice in May or June or even July? What, what, which, what's kind of the, the schedule that you yeah, I would. Yeah, when I was when I was in junior coming up and, and definitely in my first couple of years, I would I would probably skate uh, earlier on, probably late May, uh, early June. And I would have I, I always go see my skating coach first, kind of get the stride back for for a week or two. And then um, I'll play like little three on three games and little skill stuff. And you do all that to kind of get your body back into it. But I think uh, the last year or two years I've, I've kind of gone um, where I've tried to get um, really fit in the gym and, and do all that. And then I'll, I'll probably start skating late June, early July, and then um, really ramp it up for the season. Cause um, you come back uh, or I come back a little early, at least in, in Philly. And that's uh, when you're skating a lot. So I would say probably mid to late June, um, July, and and uh, you really ramp it up. But obviously, uh, I can't skate right now, and uh, you, you definitely miss it. I think um, we were in Tampa Bay, and we kind of got shut down there. You're expecting to go play a game that night, and uh, we haven't put on the gear since. So um, it's just a a weird situation, obviously, and and a tough situation for a lot of people that are are going through going through this time, but um it, it sucks not to to be able to put on the gear and and uh go for a skate uh, whenever you want it, it, part of the weird thing too scott is you know you get injured sometimes and, and your your season grinds to a, a standstill right away like you smack a wall uh but to have you know 11 games or what are 10 games 12 games left on your schedule and all of a sudden have them tell you hey we're in a pause right now we don't know if we're coming back we don't know when we're coming back any of those things that, that's hard to deal with mentally to just go from you know, 100, mile, 100 miles an hour to zero, and then just wonder, isn't it? Yeah, and I think especially at the, the time of year we were at where um, everything was ramping up during the year, I think we were on a pretty good roll there. And um, this is probably um, one of the most fun times to play hockey right before the playoffs. You're chasing points, you're, you're chasing teams, and, and teams are chasing you. So it's a really fun time. You're playing a lot of division games, and um, the crowds get uh, a little more intense. So um, I think obviously playoffs is a, is the best time to play hockey, but um, that uh, that little stage of, of March, uh, I think is a, a really fun time to play hockey and everyone ramps it up. But uh, yeah, with, with guys who are, are kind of banged up, I, I guess it's a, a little good um, reset for them, but at the same time, we don't really know when we're coming back. So um, just a tough situation overall. Um, are you watching the news? Are you kind of following what's going on kind of blow by blow? What's happening in New York? What's happening back in Canada, around the world? Are you following it that closely? Or do you find that that kind of uh, I was, wears you well, out? I was, watching it a, I was watching it a lot at the start and then um, kind of turned off the TV. Um, I'll, I'll see the reports in the morning and, and all that and, and kind of follow up and, and see how everyone's doing back home. I, I have... Uh, obviously some family back home, my parents and grandparents. So always checking in on them and um, somebody's back home. So uh, just to see what it's like um, for when I go back home and, and uh, see what everything's happening. But yeah, definitely keep a little track of it, but uh, don't watch it as, as much as I, I was at the start. And um, I think it can kind of wear out if, if you keep uh, seeing uh, what's going on. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, how's the you guys been communicating as with your teammates and coaching staff and that kind of thing? Yeah, we've been, uh, I think we've uh, been talking quite a bit. I think 
mostly just about the the situation we're in and and uh what we can do to to kind of try and get back um as quickly as possible hopefully um when when uh this resolves but um guys are keeping it light in the group chat and and uh just checking in and and seeing how everyone's doing and um some guys are playing video games together i think that uh definitely helps too i think uh just kind of connecting with them for for an hour or two and and seeing what's going on and and uh obviously everyone's in the same situation so um i think it's it's tough for for everyone but um you try and make uh try and make the best out of it and and uh, just make sure everyone's safe and healthy and and uh, i think that's the main thing is is making sure that uh, your loved ones are all good uh i heard that michael raffle and he's your buddy and he shaved his head. Uh, are you going to try and one up him? Yeah. You shave it and do anything yeah. like that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I have a, I have a Ontario driver's license with a, with a shaved head and it's not my best look. So, <laughs> um, I shaved it about three or four summers ago and it, uh, it didn't go over well with, uh, with everyone, uh, that uh, had to look on me, look at me on a daily basis. So I, I probably won't go that route. I do need a haircut, but uh, I'll wait it out. Uh, it's actually pretty funny to see him with uh, with a shaved head, and and uh, I'm sure some people will get some uh, comic relief off of uh, off of his haircut. Well, we'll have to get him to tweet that out. He actually looks pretty good, though. If if yeah. I gotta give it to him, he looks pretty good. I actually I, I like it. It's an improvement. I, uh, huh? He looks a little. Yeah, Michael Schofield from Prison Break. If you if you see a yeah. picture of that, uh, that's that's exactly him. Uh, and I'm sure the whole group when he when he fired that one out uh, got a good chuckle at that. He's always good for lightening well, everybody up. I don't even think he sent it right away either. I think I I think I might have been the culprit in that oh. uh, sending the picture in the group. But uh, yeah, I might have started that one. It's one of those deals where you start cutting your hair and then you just screw it up so bad you just gotta shave it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's it. But no, he I I, uh, I got to give it to him. I think he looks pretty good. So um, hopefully we'll get a picture out, uh, out for the uh, fans to see. Well, we can at least get that on the jumbo trot. Hopefully, when you guys are back playing, uh, I wish I could say the same thing. I cut my hair now. I have to for sure. <laughs> uh, but hey, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm uh, I'm follically challenged. It's all right though. It happens at my age, uh, yeah. my old age of 48. I look good though. Um, Hey man, I appreciate I'm you joining us. along that way too. Yeah, well, you got years though, and and you're a much younger man than me. I, look, I was looking at your stuff, dude. I'm going. Wait a minute, you were drafted in 2012. So come June this year, that'd be eight years ago that you were drafted. Is that hard to believe? It really hard to believe. Um, yeah, it, it, honestly, um, kind of just so grateful to to be here in Philly and, and uh, to play in front of in front of all these fans. So um, definitely little bit of a whirlwind at the at the start of my career um kind of going back and forth and um not knowing where i'd be or, or where i'd end up and um just try to uh put my head down and work as hard as i could and um to be kind of around for for eight years and play my first games when i was uh 18 is is pretty special you see a lot of uh of the same faces around the building you get to know a lot of people and your comfortability level is just uh is really good and, and uh, you build some really close relationships. So I've been lucky enough to do that here and um, we've had a pretty good core um, for that time and from everyone working in the rink to to the trainers and, and everyone like that, uh, it's just a pretty special feeling to, to be in the same spot for that long and 
it's hard to do in pro sports. So um, I, I'm really appreciative and uh, yeah, just a good feeling. No doubt. Hey, Scott, we appreciate you joining us here on Flyers Daily. Hopefully we'll see you guys back on the ice soon. Stay healthy and, uh, and try and uh, read some books, I guess. Thanks, Jason. Special thanks to Scott Lawton for joining us here on Flyers Daily. Also, for Ian LaPerriere, another player profile coming up on Friday, and we'll take a look at Michael Raffle, and also have hoping to have on Carter Hart on the podcast on Friday as well. Did his player profile a couple days ago, and if you missed any of the uh, player profiles, you can go back and check them all out. They're all uh, right there in your iTunes. You can go back and listen to those episodes. Also, uh, last Monday, had an interview with uh, Chuck Fletcher, a one-on-one And that's in Flyers Fix, episode number five. So check that one out as well. They're all there waiting for you. And you can back listen to anything you may have missed. And if you're caught up, then you're the best. Everybody, thanks for listening to Flyers Daily. We'll bring you another episode on Friday. Player profiles continue. In the meantime, stay healthy. And thanks for listening. When they beat upon a broken guitar in other streets, they wreak tropical charms, the embassies, lying hideous shards where tourists snore and decay. When they dance, in a reptile blaze, you wear a mask, an equatorial haze into the past, a colonial maze where there's no more confetti to throw. You wouldn't know what to say to yourself. Love is a poverty you couldn't sell. Misery waits in vain.